Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Shayhan Jayaraja of CBS, CBS Sports, who is kind enough to join us to talk a little bit more about everything going on in college football. And Shayhan, it's good to hear from you again, man. How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. The only thing uh, hotter right now than the 100 degrees out here in Texas is uh, the college football news cycle right now. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm sure for a college football writer like yourself, man, it's great to have uh, all this stuff to talk about. And so we'll just start there. What do you make of all of this? I mean, it's great because it's interesting and it's also kind of showing the direction of college football, but it almost seems like so many things have happened so quickly it's hard to keep up with. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that we're probably not stopping anytime soon. Uh, you know, obviously last year things kind of really set out when Texas and Oklahoma decided to join the SEC. But I, I think in some ways this realignment might end up long-term uh, being just as big, if not bigger. Uh, obviously we see UCLA and USC going across the country, joining a league uh, with teams that aren't within 1,500 miles of the city of Los Angeles. And I think that uh, that it's going to sort of set off a second seeding frenzy. Now, I don't think that this one might move as quickly as, uh, as the one last year because there are a couple pieces on the board that I think uh, are really going to take their time evaluating their options. Certainly Notre Dame, uh, you know, I don't think that we're going to get an answer for them not, not even just soon, but I think it might be a couple of years before we even know a final answer on their front. Uh, but I, I think everybody's trying to figure out what's next. Certainly, if you look at those other three conferences that are left on the board, they're trying to do anything possible to position themselves as best as possible long term. Uh, and, and so, look, I mean, I think that everybody's talking to everything right now and nothing's off the tape. And mentioning Notre Dame, what makes the most sense for them? They, in every other sport, they compete in the ACC. They compete in football with an ACC schedule, but we know that they're more likely in Big Ten country, and the Big Ten is the one that's making the major plays here. So what makes the most sense for Notre Dame? Yeah, I think that the the thing that would shock me most is if they were to join the ACC. I just think that there's very little value for them there. From a financial perspective, you're not really winning. You're not necessarily setting yourself up better for access to a college football playoff or anything like that. But this is a program that enjoys its independence, right? It enjoys that when everybody gets together and there's the playoff discussions and uh, different discussions across the FBS, there's 10 conference commissioners representing more than 10 schools each. Uh, And then there's the Notre Dame athletic director. The fact that they get to have such an outsized impact on the sport, I think, is really attractive to them. And certainly when you look at their historic TV deal with NBC, I mean, this is a unique arrangement that, that speaks to their history in college football. So, I think that they're going to do everything possible to try and preserve that. And I actually don't think it's going to be pure money that ends up making the decision for them. I think more than anything else, it's going to end up being access. You know, if this new playoff system that comes about in 2026, which it will be something different, you know, we'll see what exactly it is. But whatever comes about in 2026, I think is going to play a huge role in whether they decide to ultimately join a conference. Because, you know, look, if they can have access, like legitimate true access to a national championship game through whatever system comes about in 2026, I think that they'd love to be able to, to maintain some of, their, uh, some of their independence. But if it's just going to be a much harder path to be outside of a Big Ten or an SEC, I, I think that they might be pushed into joining one of them. Now, I think long-term, 
the Big Ten makes a lot more sense for them than the SEC does, obviously just from a geographical perspective. You know, they're in the state of Indiana. I, I think that the Big Ten is filled with more like-minded institutions as well when it comes to Notre Dame. So that seems like a likely landing spot for them, but they're going to try to do everything possible to avoid having to join a conference until it's absolutely necessary. Isn't that kind of crazy, though, that like Notre Dame probably is the only team or only school that's looking around and saying, you know what, money's not the number one thing for us? Because I feel like with, you know, Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, like they already made money for sure, but there's more money and value that in joining the SEC and same with these other teams. That's just kind of fascinating where Notre Dame might be the one team that's not making that priority number one. No doubt. And I think that, you know, I made this comparison on, uh, you know, when talking to another reporter, but I think that when you look at money, right, like the actual money itself is great. And I think that for sort of the middle class, the actual cash coming in is very important. But I think more than anything else is what that money says about, right? It's, it's saying that you are making the kind of profit, you're making the kind of revenue that, that makes you a big time college football program. And, and I think that if you're Notre Dame, that's not an issue. You know that you are one of the big forces in the sport. Everybody acknowledges it. You know, the second that they want to join any conference, it doesn't matter if it's the SEC, the, the you know, Big 12 or the Mountain West. Anybody will let them in on a second's notice. And so as long as the money isn't too disparate, I, I think that money doesn't have to matter to them. Now, look, if they get offered $25 million and everybody else is making 200 then, you know, they have to make a decision there. But but I think that because Notre Dame has such cachet in the sport, it does give them a little bit more leeway to maybe uh, not have to think about money as the primary uh, factor to make a decision. Was this move by the Big Ten a direct response to the SEC getting Texas, Oklahoma, and the Big Ten now? They make their own power move and getting USC, UCLA. Uh, 1,000%. I, I think that the Big Ten was in no rush to try to make a move like this, right? I mean, we've seen historically they have certainly gone a little bit outside of that Midwestern geographic footprint, but, you know, every school that they had in their conference was within about 1,200 miles. And, you know, even though they added teams from D.C. and from, you know, what they claim to be the New York Metro in order to uh, to try to drive up their market value, it has kind of been in a logical way. And, and this is a totally illogical view or in decision based on what they've done historically obviously going all the way to the west coast going you know 2700 miles away from new jersey to be able to do it um but you know th this is kind of it at this point right I, I think that you almost have to compare it to like a college football game of risk in some way where you got to eat up the parts of the map that are valuable you got to try to create some buffers between you and everybody else and so you know i i think that it's absolutely a direct response to that and the, the reality is there's only a handful of programs that truly can compete for a national championship. And the Big Ten, arguably, I mean, I, I think that Michigan and Penn State are kind of right on that line, but the Big Ten arguably only had just one in Ohio State that can truly, truly win a national championship and compete year in and year out. Well, they just added one of the few others left on the board in USC. So I, I think that this is a power play. It's something that they felt like they had to do in response to the SEC adding two more of those schools in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and, and I think that, that that if this move doesn't happen last year with Texas and Oklahoma, I don't think this is the conversation. Now you mentioned the USC and ad, or SEC adding in Texas and Oklahoma. Everyone knows what the conference has been, how dominant it's been, especially in football and, and everything going along with it. But assuming that all these teams start joining the conferences and there'll probably be some more maneuverability, 
Did other conferences get closer to the SEC, or is the SEC, by adding Texas and Oklahoma, still far and away the best conference, and it's not close? Yeah, I think that the SEC is going to be the best by a pretty significant margin. I, I think that the Big Ten is in the same sort of like realm, at least, where they're, they're lesser but not too much lesser. Nobody else can get close, right? There's nobody left on the board. Even if, let, let's say that all of the three other conferences almost combined, I, I still think that that might not even get to the level of the SEC with the amount of kind of high-money teams that are in that league. So, so yeah, I, I think that the SEC is definitely in a class of its own with the Big Ten close behind it. One thing that I've tried to, to make clear to people is we're going to hear this term Power Five a whole lot and who's still Power Five, who's still whatever. I mean, there's a power too. That, that's the reality. There's two conferences that are heads and shoulders above everybody else. Right now, you know, the question is just what kind of value will there be for everybody else? Is the consolidation better off? Do they still give themselves the most access to a college football playoff and to the national stage if they combine in some way? That, that's going to be the existential issue for those conferences but, I mean, the idea of the ACC or of the Pac-12 or of the Big 12 or of anybody else standing up in such a way that competes them with the, with the SEC or Big 10, I think it's just, uh, it just can't happen at this point. So do you see a, a division with these two conferences in the Big 10, SEC, and them having their own championship, and then you have other conferences they compete at maybe like a, more of a mid-major type level? You know, it's a good question, and I think that a lot of it is going to depend on the playoff system that comes about in 2026, because the reality is the SEC and the Big Ten hold all of the cards right now, and so if they decide that they want to do their own championship that's just the two of their teams, then there's nothing that anybody else can do about it. And then at that point, I think maybe you do have a conversation about having sort of a secondary type system or creating a new division or whatever else. I don't think we're going to move in that direction. I think that that's sort of a, a loser for the sport long-term in terms of, uh, you know, interest across the country. And so I think that it'll probably end up being something more along the lines of an 8- or 12-team playoff with a couple of spots guaranteed for conference champions outside of those two, but certainly at-large spots that are largely filled by those two teams. So that's what I would imagine happening. But, again, this whole conversation is fluid right now, and, and obviously a lot of decisions are left to be made. One thing that I found is so interesting is about the teams that are possibly going to get left behind, or at least are in kind of a purgatory right now where, yeah, they're in a conference, but that conference may not even be around or anything. But it's kind of crazy to think about where they're at. But is there a particular school or a few schools that you feel like are really getting the raw end of the deal here, that ones that you really feel bad about because uh, it seemed like everything was going well for them, but now they're kind of without a home right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you really have to look at some of those like Pacific Northwest schools, like Oregon State and like uh, like Washington State, because the reality is, you know, Oregon and Washington are going to end up somewhere, whether it's that they manage a new Pac-12 that makes a lot of sense, or whether they join the Big 12, or, or if the Big Ten or SEC does let them in. Uh, but you know, for these rival programs of theirs, I, I think they're really going to get left behind. I don't really see a pathway short of the Pac-12 finding a way to rebuild itself in some way, which I'm a little skeptical of, I don't see a pathway for them continuing to be sort of major college programs. And to me, that sucks. Right? I mean, Jonathan Smith has done a tremendous job at Oregon State. We've obviously watched uh, Mike Leach and then now Nick Rolovich and then now Jake Dickert uh, really build something pretty special at Washington State. These are such unique fan bases, such unique programs in college football. Uh, and so, you know, the idea that 
they're kind of an afterthought in this whole discussion it is really a shame in a lot of ways. Now, we'll get last year we went through it with the Big 12, and they did find a way to land on their feet one way or another. And, you know, we're going to have to go through it with the ACC next. But right now, you know, I, I think all attention is on the Pac-12. And for those two programs specifically, I, I mean, look, there's just not a whole lot they can do in Pullman and Corvallis to, to pull themselves up to that national caliber level. What do you think of the Big 12 and what we're hearing about how they're trying to realign? Uh, they've added four teams to replace Texas and OU, but they're thinking about adding another six teams from what is remaining of the Pac-12 with those 10 teams. And uh, so they're thinking about adding six of those teams. Yeah, I think the funny thing about all of this, right, is that a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with the Pac-12 is exactly what the Big 12 was saying last year, right? It's uh, we got to come together. We got to stick together. We got to see what options are out there. We got to think about expansion. Uh, and, and the funny thing about it is that if the Pac-12 had expanded last year and taken some of those Texas schools or those Oklahoma schools or any others, uh, they wouldn't be in this position, right? I mean, they'd be sort of the uh, the conference moving from a position of strength uh, last year. And so I think that now with the Big 12, you've got 12 teams that I think are going to be pretty solid together. It's a, it's a pretty deep league, even though obviously there's not going to be a national championship contender at the top. And so if you are a Pac-12 school that's not Washington or Oregon, I think that everybody else feels like they might have to reserve their spot in some version of power college football. And, you know, whether the – obviously, like I mentioned, the Big 12 isn't going to be competing with the SEC and Big 10, but it should have a long-term future as a conference. And so you see Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, I think are going to really consider strongly – the idea of joining this conference. And and again, Washington and Oregon, I think, are going to have a little bit more time to make this decision. A lot of it's going to depend on whether Notre Dame joins a Big Ten and reopens kind of the realignment cycle. But I I do think that the other four teams, there's a pretty good chance long-term that they end up there. So, again, they're just entering an exclusive negotiation window with ESPN and Fox right now. Uh, You know, I think that they're going to go onto the open market and see what kind of money that they might be able to get from some of these streaming services. So nothing set in stone as yet, and I don't expect these decisions to be made in the next month. But uh, but anything can happen in this crazy world of college football. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And another thing that I don't know if people even thought about or if people even care about, but I just also thought it was interesting where you have so many of these college football games, these non-conference games that they booked out so far in advance on the schedule, like Arkansas playing Notre Dame in 2029. And, and you know, like all of these – different games do you think that there'll be some sort of amendment put together it's like all right let's let's just cancel a lot of these games since we got so many alignments going on do you think they'll try to keep those together because i guess the uncertainty just kind of leaves it all up in the air as far as some of these big future games that are in contracts yeah i mean obviously that's the silly thing about all these games being scheduled out for the time that i you know i'm going to be in my 50s but uh, i think that uh, I, I think that ultimately people are going to kind of wait until there's a final sort of settling down of all of this uh you know we saw during the covid year of course obviously the sec decided not to play non-conference games and play 10 conference games and you know I, I wouldn't necessarily think it would be as easy as that year to get out of some of those contracts but I do think that it could happen on relatively short notice uh, just because I think that we've seen that it's possible, right? We saw a game put together in a week, obviously, with BYU Coastal Carolina, and we saw a number of games canceled right on a whim. So I'm not incredibly worried about that. I think that there's going to be language to get out of some of those contracts. But but I agree. I mean, heck, you know, 
right here in, in the state of Texas, right? Baylor and BYU were scheduled to play uh, last year and this year, and next year it's going to be a conference game. So there's a lot of weirdness going on right now. Um, that, that still, I think, is going to be resolved later. Texas OU scheduled to join the SEC in 2025. How much of this process do you think may speed up that process and getting them to the SEC maybe a little sooner? Yeah, I, I think that we've all been waiting for them to kind of make an aggressive move to speed this up a lot, but I don't think it's coming. You know, it doesn't seem like they're going to be coming into the league by 2023 when I think a lot of us assumed that they would. Um, and, you know, look, it's a lot of money that they have to get out of, even for a school like Texas Oklahoma. And the other thing, too, I will mention is that, you know, if you're Texas Oklahoma, I think the fact that you have to slow things down a little bit might actually end up being a good thing, considering that Oklahoma just lost their coach to another college for the first time since 1947, and Texas just had their worst debut by a head coach since 1937. So I, I think it's going to give them a little bit of extra time to get things together. Um, you know, I don't think that they're in a huge rush. The, the timeline that we've heard a little bit more is maybe more like 2024 than 2023, and I, I think that that makes sense for a lot of parties. You know, USC and UCLA plan to move over in 2024 as well. So, you know, I think that we might end up seeing those timelines kind of converge, and, and all this kind of happened more in 2024 than in 2023. Do you think Arch Manning actually plays for Texas in the SEC? Do you think that that actually happens? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I mean, look, the reality is Arch committed to a program that went five and seven last year. So I don't think that there's some sort of secret that Texas might struggle. Right. So I think that for him, you know, you look at his finals because obviously he primarily looked at Alabama, Georgia and Texas, along with Ole Miss a little bit as well. And I think that the one thing that Texas offered him, that there was no way that Alabama or Georgia could offer him is the opportunity to really be like the face of a program forever, because, you know, we, we saw Vince Young back in 2005, uh, the last number one overall perfectly rated quarterback recruit to go through college football. Uh, you know, he led them to a championship, and he is a legend there, right? A total, total legend can never be touched there. And Alabama's won so much, and Georgia's won so much, and, and they just won, obviously, their, their first title since 1980. I don't think that he has that kind of opportunity to kind of be the long-term almost like Johnny Manziel-like face of a program uh, at some of these other schools. I think that he has an opportunity to be that at the University of Texas, taking them into the SEC. So I do think he's going to make it there. They've obviously recruited really, really well in, in the months since, uh, since he committed. So I, I think he does make it there. We'll see whether he can live up to all the hype that's going to be on him, but I expect him to be their starting quarterback heading into the SEC in 2024. Well, Shayhan, we really appreciate you joining us, man. I know it's a fun time in college football, and it'll be here before we know it. But enjoy the rest of your summer, man, and I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.